Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to another edition of the ONG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford here, Kelvin Rosier, Kofi Hemingway uh, are here live and direct. Uh, fellas, how you doing? Good to see you again. Good to see you Glad too, man. How you doing? Man, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And, um, and um, you know, again, man, condolences to you and the family. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you uh, uh, for all the thoughts and prayers. Uh, I enjoyed uh, watching the show. I, I wish I could have been there with you guys on Wednesday night, uh, but uh, obviously I was in Atlanta with uh, with my sister as we were preparing to head up to uh, Indianapolis uh, to go be uh, with my dad and just kind of make plans. But it, <clears throat> you know, it was uh, I much appreciated everybody. Uh, for all the thoughts and prayers and, and, you know, all of them over the course of the week. I'm, I'm really uh, grateful and uh, thankful for all the support, you know, um, uh, it's kind of, you know, it's a, it's a new, it's a new place to be, you know, uh, for me. So I know a lot of people uh, have gone through the loss of a family member, uh, some form of fashion. Uh, and so uh, it's, it's different. I'm learning. It's, it's, it's a different, thing for everybody so uh you know we'll maybe i'll expand on my thoughts a little bit later but i'm just grateful to be back uh plenty of action going on a uh, great show last week uh appreciate ad drew who's uh producing today but i appreciate him jumping in and i i'll tell you you guys really uh you know knocked it out of the ballpark with roscoe Last week, uh, great information. I hope uh, anybody who watched last week's show really went back and maybe shared it with a few people because that, you know, the info that Roscoe dropped last week uh, was powerful. And so we need that shared in as many places as possible. And, uh, you know, who knows? That'll maybe spark the spark the fires uh you guys talk for a second uh what's been happening for you guys this past week i need to send out this tweet to let the let the people know that we're streaming live so i mean i'm gonna do that here real quick uh kofi what's uh what's the latest what's been happening over the past week for you well for me just uh you know i coach tennis here in jacksonville at bishop snyder 
and uh, we've been having matches and dealing with. Can you hear me? We got you. I got yeah. you. Yeah, you good? Okay. So just coaching tennis, doing life with the family, uh, traveling up and down the road to Tallahassee, getting kids ready to play tournaments, um, getting them registered to play tournaments. So I'm excited about that, about this next crop of, uh, of the Hemingway Tennis Academy and the people that are coming through as well as what I'm doing with Oakley. Um, and Eagles Landing and uh, Bishop Snyder High School. So I'm, I'm happy with that. Looking forward to sending some players uh, to play Division One. Yeah. You know, you whenever you, uh, you know, you're real humble, uh, Kofi. I, I know they say that about you. But, uh, you know, whenever you want to give a plug, you know, you, you this, this, this is yours too. So whenever you want to let folks know about that Hemingway Tennis Academy, uh, you know, you – just drop that plug, you know, just to jump on in, you know, just let people know where they can find you and, and, uh, where, where they can, you know, I know you got the next Venus Serena and, uh, Madison keys. I know you got the next one in the camp somewhere, right. You know, that would be amazing. If that was the case, I would not be on here right now. How about that? <laughs> Listen, I would not be on here right now. I'd be like, uh, guys, I gotta do this right quick. But, um, Seriously, man, yeah, you know, I've been coaching tennis for like 30 years. Um, I love what I do, and uh, I got a new crop of, of players, and they don't necessarily look like me, but I'm cool with that. And um, mm-hmm. they're, they've taken to my style, and they've taken to uh, my communication and my language and how I communicate with them, and they love the energy, so... Uh, I, I love to see kids and their light turn on. Uh, I like to see them um, develop and go to the next level and uh, see, you know, and I, you know, I try to tell them, you know, it's about being the best version of who you are as opposed to, you know, focusing on a ranking, focusing on, you know, this X, Y, and Z. Did you give your best today? Did you get something out of this? What did you get out of it? And let's take it from there. True that. True that. Uh, Calvin, how about you? What's uh, what's the latest? What's been happening uh, for you the past week? Well, you know, I, I traveled this weekend, so I didn't get a chance to uh, do my normal. We had some and I had to uh, watch the games. Um, I did come back later on and, um, you know, through YouTube and, and some other stuff. Got to watch a lot of it. Um, I, I did... Uh, um, you know, the Rattlers were everywhere this, this this weekend, right? You know, basketball, tennis, baseball, softball, and, um, you know, bowling and uh, golf. And, um, you know, so there was plenty to catch up on. And um, I, I was able to do some catch up on, on all of that and um, look forward to talking about it. And then um, as far as, you know, didn't get much sleep this weekend, man. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of driving. Celebrating uh, a birthday with with, with with a friend and 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 and, and family. So, so just you know, living life, man. Enjoying 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 life. Nice, good, to, good to hear, man. Good to hear. Well, uh, we appreciate <clears throat> we appreciate all of you guys out there on YouTube and Facebook and on Twitter watching our show, um, following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ONG Strike Zone. 
If you're watching us right now on YouTube, hopefully you've already subscribed to the YouTube channel and go ahead and hit that like button. Go ahead and get that started off and then let some people know about the show. Uh, if you're on Facebook, same thing. Hit the like. Go ahead and share the show. We got a good show. A lot to talk about because we got plenty of action. Uh, we had everything this weekend. Uh, we had basketball, softball, baseball, football, um, tennis, golf. Uh, I, I I hope we make sure to mention everything because there certainly was everything happening uh, this past week. Um, we are in the, you know what what's funny is while we talk about today, we we were in the midst of before we came on live, we were in the midst of a. I thought we were going to be doing a celebration watch party. As our Lady Rattlers are on the softball diamond against Florida State, the number three team in the country, and heading into the bottom of the sixth inning, we had a three to two lead. Uh, unfortunately, as best as I can describe it, as I don't know if it was an uh, just a, a a mental, I'm gonna call it a brain fart, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, we, we, I thought we had a potential out at the plate to protect that lead, uh, with two runners on, uh, the, the ball, a ball that's hit to the shortstop gets relayed back to the plate. And given the fact that there was runners on second and third, nobody on first, the catcher by nature is supposed to tag the runner coming home. Well, unfortunately, I think our catcher might've thought the bases were loaded because she got the ball in plenty of time, and she just wasn't able uh, to to react fast enough to catch and swipe and tag the runner. And so the run ended up scoring. The game-tying run scored to make it 3-3. Three to three. And then uh, now Florida State has scored five more runs here, and so now we're in the bottom of the sixth. Florida State is leading 8-3. to three. So uh, unfortunately, the, the wheels have kind of come off a little bit after what was a solid six performance. It's amazing how one play, you know what I'm saying? How one play can make all the difference in in a ball game. And so uh, those of you, if you're watching on ESPN Plus or if you were watching on ESPN Plus, uh, hopefully you got a split screen. That's kind of what I'm doing right now is we got a split screen going. I'm so, yeah, I thought we would get a get a, a watch party. Uh, the, the schedule has been very tough for our our Lady Rattlers, Kelvin. I mean, they just came off of a five games out in Gainesville or down in Gainesville, including a game against the uh, what Florida Gators. They're fourth ranked in the country. Duke is what ranked fourteenth. They had two games against Duke. Uh, had to play a tough Louisville team and had to play Villanova. Um, and you know, uh, you, you take uh, really the closest game was that game against. Villanova, where they lost two to six, but they had some tough losses to Louisville, uh, shut out, uh, lost to Duke 13 to one and seven to one. And then they got shut out by Florida. So to see them sort of rebounding today at Florida State, it's refreshing. I I think there's a lot of positives. I just hope they can close this game out with without letting me get too far out of control. Um, You know, so. uh, yeah, any, any thoughts you want to add in there about the softball team, Kelvin? Well, we we you know we're kind of leading off with softball, but uh, any thoughts there as we as we start? Yeah, you know, just we we, we knew that uh, 
they record might not be indicative of the type of team they have early just because of the competition. Um, the ACC and the SEC are filled with littered with uh, ranked teams. Uh, Florida is uh, undefeated. Florida State is undefeated. They're three and four in the nation now, I think, uh, between the two of them. Um, and, uh, of course, you mentioned Duke is ranked. And, you know, uh, so so they're playing the best of the best, the cream of the like cream, as they say. And um, that's what you need. And, um, and, and try to be competitive. And I think that they're, they're doing that. So. Uh, I just look forward to them to getting through this patch and then uh, dominating when they uh, get through with some of these tournaments. Yeah, as we look at their upcoming schedule, after they get out of this, they go to a, a tournament in uh, Montgomery, Alabama this weekend featuring uh, South Carolina State, Grambling, Alabama A&M. They play South Carolina State twice play Grambling once at Alabama A&M. I, I don't know. I'm assuming that's the the four-team field maybe, or maybe I don't know who else is there. But in between uh, those four games, then they have another match against Florida State on March 1. Now, I don't know if that game on March 1, is that game going to be played at FAMU? Do we know? Does anybody? Um, Let's see. I believe so. They usually play one game. Yeah, they usually play one game at home against Florida State. Okay, so that that's uh, March one, six p.m. on Tuesday. So that's um, that, that's March next 1st. Tuesday, matter of fact, March first. Yeah, March first. So uh, that's uh, and and that's good. You know, I think that's good given their competitive nature. And uh, we just walked the bases, so now the bases are loaded here. And you know, again. We still have another at bat, and so anything's possible. But uh, it's, uh, if we don't get uh, this third out here with the bases loaded, this could get really ugly. Uh, scores eight to three right now, Florida State leading. And uh, so then you know the, after the Florida State, they've got a they've got a nice schedule here against uh, some other teams. So it'll be interesting to see how Coach Orr gets this team going. Uh, got to give a shout out to uh, Christiana Beasley who was named the SWAC player or SWAC pitcher of the week for the opening week of the SWAC season. Um, For the opening week performance, uh, she struck out 13 batters in three games, also held opposing batters to a batting average of 211. Uh, It picked up her first win of the season in relief against Winthrop. And I actually thought that the ladies did very well that opening weekend up there at North Florida. So uh, congratulations to Chris Deanna Beasley for uh, taking the uh, Pitcher of the Week honors in uh, the opening weekend of the of the season. You know, props to her. Props to her. Oh, there's, a, there's a great play at first base. And so the Rattlers do get out of the inning without giving up any more runs. But unfortunately, we gave up six runs there in the bottom of the sixth and going to the top of the seventh, now trailing eight to three. So, yeah, that's a, that's, you know, that's a pretty tough one right there. Coming up a little bit later in the show, we got a good friend, Marcus Green, coming on to talk about some, uh, some of the latest uh, recruiting news regarding some of the new recruits. 
that FAMU has brought in. But uh, let, let's kind of let's kind of get into some of the stuff from this weekend. Uh, <clears throat> Kofi, of all the things that were going on this weekend for FAMU athletics, what's the one thing that kind of caught your eye? What what's the one sport or maybe one game that that caught your attention? Well, obviously for me. Um... I've been watching the basketball team and, you know, just paying close because that's our second biggest uh, revenue generating sport. Uh, And they've been playing decent, but they kind of like hit a lull lately. So it was good for them to at least beat Alabama state. That was, you know, they've been grinding out victories, but I can't say that we're playing solid basketball right now. Um, we're, we've been kind of like inconsistent and they're going to have to pick up their, their shot selection. I want to say their execution down the stretch. Cause now time is definitely of the essence. Um, we pretty much know the personality of this team. Uh, they will fight and grind through, but come tournament time, you have to be able to turn it up a notch with your intensity and most of more importantly, your execution. So all of that is key. Um, again, watch the tennis team uh, come through and beat a couple of teams in the SWAC, and then they got you know annihilated by Alcorn, who has a number of transfer players. And then, of course, the baseball team uh, going two and one, uh, you know, in the SWAC, but then coming back this week, you know, and getting annihilated by Mercer, kind of put things back into perspective of. How can we actually grow? And, you know, having Coach Shoop on and have him talk about about that. Why is that the case? And what can we do to, like, change that? Because if you're not able to give um, a higher number of scholarships, it's going to affect your level of competitiveness at some point, especially if you play a team that has a full slate of scholarships Um, and in the state of Florida and in the Southeast, you know, you can't give, you know, portions here and portions there and expect to be a championship level team. And I think that's just one of the things, even though our expectations are there, apparently our infrastructure is not where it needs to be or something's missing to where we're not able to offer uh, scholarships across the board in baseball. And if we're going to be competitive or championship level competitive, that has to shift. Uh, you know, it's funny you you bring that up because I've had the pleasure of talking to Coach Shoop on a couple of occasions. And he is very consistent about making that known. Uh, I've heard that for now, third different time that I've had the pleasure of talking to him. Uh, about, and and I think he admittedly set, calls it like it is. I mean, look, it's just how we're set up. Uh, and, and I, you know, the fact that we're limited in our scholarships, and I, and I think, you know, I think more so it's the limitations with out-of-state uh, scholarships. Look, at, at this point, and, you know, just really with this, and this is where, your administration and your athletic administration, everybody has to be on one accord. Um, coaching, um, 
coaching is great. And I, I consider myself a, a, a solid coach. I've won city championships. I've had players to go on to compete nationally. Um, some are in the, one of them is actually competing as a pro, pro right now. His name is Chris Eubanks. But my point is, um, there's different tiers of talent <laughs> that's out there. And I don't care how well you coach, you know, at the end of the day, more often than not, your more talented players are going to beat the players that are not as talented. As well as you coach, as well as you try to get them to hit the ball, as well as you try to push them to compete and play beyond their means, at the end of the day, your Jimmys and Joes have to get out there and play, and they've got to get out there and execute, or Jamisha's or whatever you want to call them. Um, and if you don't have enough in your on your team, especially you know when it comes to baseball, you got to have hitters, but more importantly, you got to have pitchers. You know, you got to have pitchers. And Florida is a baseball state, so you know the Southeast is full of baseball players. So while we're not able to bridge that gap, I'm trying to. Feel, and this is why I kind of like you know Kelvin has worked in the department of work closely with those two. I would like to know how can this be, how can this shift or what do we need to do to shift it and change it so that we can be successful? And, and let me uh, add, let me add to that, Kelvin, compare it to other HBCUs. If, if, if that's fair, because I, I mean, think let me, let me, inter I don't mean to say that, but you know, we're playing Mercer, right? So right. Mercer is the team that's kicking us to sleep, you know, right. and they're not, quote unquote, uh, they're on the same level, I want to say, football wise as us. They're a Division One program. Their school is not as prestigious as Florida A&M University, but yet they're kicking us to sleep. So I would, I but would, they're also I in would Georgia. To bet. They're also I'll in Georgia where they're. Go so ahead. let me let, let me redirect the conversation a little bit. Because what I would say is that um, the NCAA mandates uh, how many scholarships you have for baseball. And I think what Coach was expressing is not that we don't offer the full law, man, he doesn't split the scholarships, et cetera. At this point, there was a time where we didn't offer the full allotment. But uh, at this time and over the last couple of seasons, that's not the case. Uh, but it, it's some some crazy formula, even though you have up to like usually somewhere between 30 and 35 uh, players on some type of scholarship. Uh, basically, the NCAA only allows, I want to say, um, 12 points something for baseball. Uh, so so that's just an NCAA thing. Um, at this time, we, we do have a full allotment. I watch us be play. We play Mercer every year. Um, uh, Stetson and so forth, and, and and what I would tell you is, some of this is strategy. We have a big tournament coming up on um this weekend, and so there's I guarantee you there's starters who aren't playing. There's definitely pitchers who aren't going to pitch this game, and and those and some that if they expect to be key contributors during the weekend series, if they do pitch, they ain't going but in, regardless of what's going on. So. Uh, there's a kind of a strategy and approach that usually happen with midweek games, especially early. Um, that's just uh, how he likes to manage uh, his program. 
Um, but I will say that we have seen that this team can produce runs offensively. Uh, we have also seen this team give up quite a bit of runs, even the games we won over the weekend, even though we went two and one, they were pretty high scoring affairs. So um, I Achilles hit I Achilles heels um, this year and, and really in general. Uh, is having a dominant number one pitcher, someone you know that can just shut the team down. Um, we've been more of a pitch by committee type um, bunch over the last few years, and and you know we've had success with that approach, but um, but uh, I just think that um, there's a lot of good programs in the South, of course. Uh, you know, usually all the Florida schools are in running in their conferences in terms of and so are the uh, Georgia schools, South Georgia schools. They're always competitive. They always have winning records. They can hit. They can pitch. So um, it, it's, just, it's just difficult to dominate. Even Florida State uh, get loses to uh, uh, programs and so forth. Um, so it's just nature of the beast, and it's early. Right. All right. <clears throat> so, so what you're saying is let's not let's not overreact too much, huh? Yes, yes, especially with the Mercer stuff, right? Uh, I, I'm, I'm like you. I want to dominate and win every game, but, but I, I, you know, you know, I just know, coach has a strategy during midweek, especially early, and um, you know, he's getting in his, he's getting a look at some of the other players, see who, you know, who can step up and on the fire, and he can count on later down the road. If, if he already know what he got with his starter, some of them won't play. Right, right. I, it, it, you look, I, I just, you know, that when when we try to when when we try to rationalize it and, and bring, uh, bring you bring fans, bring bring alumni into the background and kind of let them know what's going on. Uh, you know, hopefully they hear us because the instant reaction would be scoreboard watching. Oh, 15 to three. Oh, we're down 15. Oh. What in the heck are we doing? You know, it's like it's almost the same instant reaction that women's basketball gets. You know, the the hot take is, oh, we need we need some new coaching, or oh, we need this. Well, you know, th- let's let's take a level of nuanced thinking here and think about the situation that our program was in, right? And so, like you said, if if that's the case, and that you know, you you obviously we you know Coach Shoop well, you followed this a lot closer to maybe a lot of folks. Um, it, it just, it hurts though. When you, when you come off a good weekend, like what we had, and then you see, you know, uh, such a dramatic loss to Mercer. I mean, like I give our women credit, like the softball team, major props from coming out of the weekend. I mean, a very tough weekend and it could have been, almost understandable if you'd have seen them okay well now they got to play the number three team in the country after playing the number four team and if we had got roasted by 10 11 runs yeah people would have said oh, that was expected but hell we had a lead for six and a half innings or uh what is it, five and a half innings yeah five and a half innings we had a lead so you know we we uh i i, I applaud that effort in coming back and it makes you feel good and so for the baseball team with the impending series against Grambling State, 
you're just wanting to have a little what what I want to say. You want to have a little thank you. You want to have a little bit of that going into this series. And now you I don't know if you have that. That that's gonna be that's gonna be hard. So um yeah, that, that's gonna be that's gonna be hard. So let's do this. We got plenty more to talk about in this show. So we got a lot to talk about from the weekend, a lot to talk about what's going on this week. This is a heavy, busy season. Uh it feels like one of the busier seasons since the since the spring, you know, since last spring when we had football and all kinds of other stuff. I mean, it's really last weekend was probably one of the the busiest weekends on the calendar and there may be more of them upcoming, but on the other side of the break, Marcus Green is going to join us. We're going to talk a little bit about the recruiting, uh, some news, some information going on there. And uh, we'll kind of take a look at uh, some, we're going to find out how analytics has helped some SWAC school uh, develop into a top recruiting class. And is that something that we are buying into as something that uh, is the future? And uh, if it is the future, you know, how soon before FAMU can get down on something like this? Or is that just, uh, is it going to be one of those things that comes and goes and and time will tell whether uh, that is the new way of doing recruiting? So plenty to talk about on the other side. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back in just a moment. You see, Head & Shoulders has scalp shield technology, protects against flakes even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. We're never not working. Number 15? That's my rub. Ooh, nice. Never not working. Never, ever, never, ever not working. Welcome, everybody, to Juneau, Alaska. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Dandruff protection that's never not working. Head & Shoulders scalp shield technology. The top HBCU programs in the nation come to Montgomery, Alabama's Riverwalk Stadium this May 11th through 14th for the Black College World Series. The best black college baseball teams in the NCAA Division II and the NAIA will battle for black baseball's ultimate prize. Games will be streamed live at www.mybcsn.net. Tickets are available now online at www.blackcollegechampionships.com. Support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to myjbn.com slash support and be a part of the Black College Sports Network. This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download 
We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. Coach Willie Simmons, that is actually our <laughs> hey, it was a cold night. <laughs> I'm signing the number one class in 2023. <laughs> you see how this recruiting got me gray. Uh, yeah, hey, look, uh, we cannot confirm or deny. Uh, that's our good friend Marcus Green. Sorry about the little tag there. Uh, Marcus, I'm sure you'll you'll be a stand for Coach Simmons any day. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, we'll get squared away, and there we go. He's now officially Marcus Green. Uh, thanks for joining us, uh, Marcus. How you doing, good buddy? How's, how's it going? Much better. There's a lot of pressure for those 15, 20 seconds when I was Coach Simmons. I can see everything on Twitter. Just, <laughs> <laughs> right hopefully nobody screenshotted that and uh we'll send that out and be like coach what happened to you man you... <laughs> a few more grades there in the uh in the goatee coach what, what's going on <laughs> um so marcus we we always like to bring marcus in around this time of the year as many times as we can because nobody is keeping a track of uh of uh of recruiting as uh as well as marcus does and but before we get into talking about the future big weekend for rattler athletics this weekend marcus uh what caught your eye what uh, a lot of things to watch and pay attention to but what caught your eye this weekend well, i was watching mo- mainly the basketball and i was you know on pins and needles in both games and just Hoping the, the men pull it out and the women would uh, find some some support and, and pull out pull out a win. So I was following that. I was following the baseball a little bit as well. And I'm glad we did went two and one. I was kind of hurt when we, we kind of gave up that lead in the second game. And then we came back in the in the third game and won. So you know just keeping up with this all the sports, pretty much just watching what I could or, or keeping up on the internet. So just about everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Plenty of things to, uh, to, to talk on. Uh, we, we haven't, we were just talking earlier about uh, softball and baseball, two games that were going on live um, as we started our show. Uh, thought we might have a celebration watch party for a minute, but um, mm. you know, a tough loss by the lady Rattlers, but a courageous effort. All the same, uh, losing, I think, final score was three to Florida State. Uh, men's baseball team uh, not faring so well with Mercer, but kind of like we talked about in the previous segment, you know, uh, as you get a little 
behind the scene information. You know, we we you know that's with, with a big weekend series upcoming against Grambling. Uh, you know, these midweek games are really not a point of emphasis. And uh, you know, as Kelvin was kind of sharing with us, it's one of those things where you know, coach will coach will kind of play around with the rotation and the lineups and try to see what he's got. Uh, because on the big scale, you know, it, this isn't, you know, right now it's about what we do on the weekends. Those weekend series are the important series. And um, mm-hmm. even though it's a non-con, I guess it's a non-conference upcoming against Grambling, it still is a big series against the SWAC. And, and seeing as how we went two and one weekend against three SWAC teams, we want to come up uh, big time this week. But Needless to say, as we transition over to football, one of the things that recently came out <clears throat> is a lot of the uh, state, uh, or should say all state honors. And for a lot of our recruits, sort of the final recognition for many of them uh, within their state, you know, several of the recruits from out of the state of Florida uh, received their all state uh, accolades, uh, Florida, hsfootball.com dropped their uh, multi-class uh, all-state football teams. You also had uh, guys from out of the Tallahassee Big Ben area, Atlanta Journal-Constitution, uh, the Jacksonville area, Florida Times Union. So you had a lot of local accolades as well. So I'll, I'll kind of turn it over to you a little bit, Marcus, and kind of give us a synopsis of – what it looked like for our for our recruiting class, uh, which was, uh, I believe, correct me, was it ranked number seven in FCS? What did our recruiting class end up being when you look at the national polls or whatever? You know what? I'll have to find out because I didn't circle back and see where we rated in terms of uh, – HBCUs or FCS in terms of our overall final ranking. And I guess it's kind of, I mean, with the transfer portal and the portal always being open, like we saw last year, we can get somebody in preseason camp. So we can expound on the signees that we have now, but we know that it's subject to change based on any transfer signees, anybody coming in or going out. So I have to get back with you on that. But specific to the high school signees, I believe 11, we had 15 high school signees or preferred walk-ons period for 2022. And out of those, 11 made All-State. So we had 10 that made All-State from FloridaHighSchoolFootball.com. And we had one, actually, linebacker Michael Watson out of um, Hughes High School made All-State for the Atlanta Journal Constitution. So even the players that were offered preferred walk-ons and we're seeing some of the strategy that Coach Simmons employed, and he talked about a little bit where he wanted to improve the talent of the roster that some of the folks who are offered preferred walk-ons made all state in the state of Florida. So, and there's one young man who's still out there that we made a preferred walk-on offer to a wide receiver and he hasn't, haven't seen based on his social media, at least his Twitter, where he's signed anywhere yet. So there could be someone else out there. But when you look at that, and you're compiling this last week, 
when they announced in the last over, I guess over the last week and a half, they announced from class 1A all the way up through class 8A, the all-state team. And then I was comparing to who we signed. <laughs> I was amazed to see that we had 11 out of 15 of our high school signees that made an all-state team in their respective states. Yeah, put that, if we can put that graphic up on the screen, um, because most of them are first team guys, uh, offense or defense. Um, you you just mentioned Michael Watson, uh, the second uh, linebacker from Hughes High School. He was the 2021 Atlanta Journal-Constitution class. I mean, that's a bunch of A's. The way they do that in Atlanta, I, or uh, I'm just like, come on now, can you – can you summarize this with like a number and then an A? I think there's about six or seven A's there. Um, it's like the, I think it's the 6A All-State football team on defense. But then he was the Georgia High School Football Daily Class 6A Region 4 Defensive Player of the Year. So yeah, I think we got a steal with him. And, I don't, and even when we were doing the uh, signing day show, uh, with B.J. Jones, and we had Coach Simmons on. We had the midday show. He was saying he doesn't know how he slipped. He said there's a lot of players in Atlanta. He just slipped through the cracks, and we got a really, really good signing on him. And I think Coach Simmons remarked on, on the show for signing day that when you walk up on him, he looks like a college linebacker. So I think yeah. you know, between him and all the other players that we received, you look at all the accolades on accolade column one, or more or less their local accolades from either a local paper or local coverage. And accolade two is where I tried to capture in a little highlight in green in the background, highlight the folks who made all state. And for the folks that were in Tampa, the beat writer for the Tampa Times, because usually they put out an all Hillsboro or all Pinellas or all Suncoast a football team. He said they didn't do it this year. So you see folks who are in the general area like TJ Dimas and um, uh, Wayne Quinn, who was a preferred walk-on, uh, didn't didn't get any local accolades. And I think that's because the, the local coverage in the Tampa Times didn't put out a team. But I think even more of those players would have made their respective all-area, all-county teams. So when you look at the quality of the uh, high school signees, it's really good. Uh, Kelvin and Kofi, either of you want to jump in? Uh, feel free, I, you know, before I ask Marcus anything else here. As we break down this list, um, I noticed so now, Kofi, you're in the uh, chat. Did I break up? Go ahead. Can you Thank hear me? You. I we got yes. you. We got you now. Go ahead, Kofi. Uh, no, Brian. What was your question? Because I couldn't hear it. Well, I, well before you jumped in, I was going to ask. Said I noticed about the Florida Times. Yeah, the Florida Times Union is your neck of the woods, correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. Well, here's, right. you know yeah. the thing that Jacksonville has been a a staple. I want to say going back to when. Um, Alex Wood was actually recruiting. He started uh, recruiting there. In fact, Quinn Gray, uh, when he was on the staff, also uh, opened up that pipeline from Jacksonville as well. 
And, you know, just the recruiting budget uh, enabled us to be able to go there, of course, efficiently um, without breaking bank. But anytime you get a player from Reigns, um, you're getting a baller. Um, and really, anytime you get a player from this area, um, you're getting somebody that can play. Uh, they're always competing. They're always playoff level. They're always real dynamic. And they, you know, after South Florida, I would say that Jackson out when it comes to the brand of football that's produced out of there uh, year in and year out. And uh, those additions that are coming from Duval are absolutely going to be, they're going to be playmakers. They're going to be, they're not going to fall short. Um, even the guys that are transferring from Iowa State, I'm excited to see uh, how they fit in. And uh, the athletes that we signed from that area is going to be absolutely phenomenal, especially, you know, even if you look at how this roster is shaped up, um, Terrell Jennings is from Jacksonville. Um, Bishop Bonnet is from Jacksonville. Um, he's not coming back, but I'm just saying uh, Duval has been a solid, consistent contributor in terms of the playmakers that are on the squad. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I would agree. Good, good and it seems like we're, gonna... we're hitting some of the top teams, too. Like last year, we got a linebacker from Trinity Christian. This year, we got a three-star yeah. linebacker. It sounds like Coach Simmons was a little surprised that he flipped his commitment on signing day. But a linebacker from, I guess, the former Lehigh School, I think it's Riverside now. And then right. a young man from Reigns. So we're getting ballers from some of the top that are playoff contenders and have sufficient amount of talent. And there is a lot of positive momentum uh, around Florida a University due to the, um, I want to say the, the why not us, the whole LeBron thing, the social media presence, um, the interaction with Rattler Nation, all of that stuff really does count in the minds of athletes. Um, they want to be seen. They want to be known. And, you know, they want to be appreciated. At the same time, I'm still curious, and I guess it's going to be an entire show dedication. We have to do a Neil show because I want to see us be able to take the whole Neil deal thing because I, I know it's going to change the way that people recruit. But a lot of this also has to do with how the state is um, legally um, to do some of these things. Uh, DeSantis passed a law um, that prohibits a lot of stuff, I want to say, from going on, which I think in some cases is unconstitutional. But, you know, at the same time, these guys are coming and they want to they wanna be able to, you know, make money now. And I think that, that that possibility is out there. I'm still trying to understand the science of the Neil and how all of that works. But um, it's possible. The sky's the limit, man. So, yeah. Well, you were gonna ask. You were gonna ask something about top three, uh, Kofi. For yeah, I was gonna I, ask, uh, brother Marcus, who would you say? Who is your top three uh, players from this? Ooh. You catch that I really like 
Bro, like Michael Watts. I think uh, Demeth. I mean, we're getting a lot of linebackers, so I don't know. And plus, we have us for a linebacker, and it sounds as though uh, one young man is coming back. Uh, so I don't know to what degree they're going to bubble up, but I like him. Um, I'm interested to see uh, Zaire Riley, just because I, mean, I know he's and from. You know, there was all this concern about his size and everything. But he seems to make plays around the ball. He plays bigger than he is. And I could see him being versatile in that sense. And I'm also interested in Kareem Burke from Reigns High School to see how he fills in and see if he cracks either in the beginning or see if he gets redshirted to get acclimated to college or if he fills in, you know, in the wide receiver core and starts to start the next wave of the Rag Boys. So those are probably the three I'm keeping my eye on the most. But I like everybody. Of course, you like everybody on the list because it's my favorite team. But we'll we'll see how things play out. Kelvin, what uh, what questions? What do you got from Marcus? Um, Marcus, um, with the quality of the high school talent that we have, we mentioned how I many were all area, all high, no first, a lot of first teamers. Uh, and, and we got a pretty good level of um, transfers or uh, JUCOs also who are already on campus and will have a spring. How do you, how many, or who do you think has a chance to actually contribute out of the high school signees? Mm, that is a great question. Um. I'm not sure. I'm guessing I'm one of the linebackers because I saw even last year at some point um, they rotated in uh, Johnny Chaney, the linebacker from, oh gosh, where high school is he from? He's from down in central Florida, but he came in last year. I want to say it's the same high school that um, Miratovic was from. I think he's from Wakiva. And so I remember seeing him flash in a couple games, I think, was it the either the South Carolina State game or the Alabama State game where he got some playing time? So it sounds like they want to, you know, up their rotation, up the quality and the linebacker. So I'm guessing one of the linebackers. And also, I remember, I don't know if it was due to injury, there was a true freshman offensive lineman, uh, TJ Lee from Rickards, who got in. Um, I don't know if he's filling in for somebody who got hurt. I think he was playing left guard and maybe filled in some center last year. So I don't know if they have they see some things with the Rickards lineman where they may be kind of prepped and ready to go in in an emergency basis or or see if they're ready to step up. So I'm gonna roll the dice and probably say Myron Ward or one of the linebackers, and I'm gonna say either Michael Watson or Jordan Gilly. Um, oh, one other one other thing ahead, is that I've seen a couple of social media posts of some of the local guys visiting on March 4th and March 5th. And I know Florida State's having a big junior day March 5th, and I'm, I'm wondering if we're having the same thing. Though I've seen local guys post, but I haven't seen any, like the guys we're really looking at, like the top recruits like a Richard Young or someone like that, saying they're going to come up the same weekend to visit fam. And I know that back when he said he was going to visit HBCUs, Richard Young being the 
number one running back for class of 2023 out of Lehigh uh, Acres High School. But there's at least three or four guys either between Childs, Gaston County High School, and Rickards, including um, Tristan Sion, that are planning to have an unofficial visit that same weekend. And that's our last home weekend for basketball. So and we know Coach Simmons likes to leverage the basketball environment to kind of show the recruits what what's what with FAMU. And so, you know, with VCU coming up for that last weekend and having some unofficial visits, there's a potential, you know, based on what the master plan is of, you know, bringing in some guys who are class of 2023 coming to campus, you know, when it's warm, everything's going on. We've got home basketball game. I don't know if there are other home events going on, but to kind of get that environment and vibe for fam. So I'll keep an eye on that too. Another another recruiting related topic, sort of moving off of our own individual uh, recruiting class from FAMU. And uh, Marcus, you brought this out and shared this with us, uh, uh, you know, backstage, so to speak. Uh, so we'll kind of put it out there is the, is the use of predictive analytics in recruiting and mm-hmm. AI specifically. Um, you know, there's a company called uh, Recruiting X that uh, has uh, positioned themselves as being one of the companies that played a major impact in helping Jackson State uh you know, become the number one or have the number one ranked recruiting class and the number one in FCS. And by the way, FAMU is number seven, according to 247.com, uh, with Grambling mm-hmm. at number five. That That's um, our own uh, FAMUathletics.com reported that, and I do recall seeing that on 24-7. So that's just perspective on where we were, you know, to my question at the beginning of your segment. But as you go through the packet and and this uh this tweet that originally is sent out by uh their co-founder and CEO um he makes point of some 2000 different prospects were evaluated by recruiting analytics that helped uh not only uh Jackson State but some other power 5 schools um you know, namely, I mean, if I look at some of the names in this bunch, I see a South Carolina, Duke, Kansas State, Iowa State, uh, you know, Purdue, Arizona. You know, now if I were to if I were to really want to be critical, I'd I'd look at all these power fives and say, ah, uh, you know, none of those schools are really in the uh, national championship hunt. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I, I, just, I just thought I'd just point that out. But but the content interesting. Because as they as they promote, they say that they use player tracking data to verify in-game athleticism, applied predictive analytics to project upside, surfaced hidden talent and overvalued prospects, and recommended prospects to recruit. So that's they took a group of two thousand, gave that group to to uh, Jackson State, and said these are the guys you should go after. And I guess it turned out, you know, to be helpful. Now, I don't know to what degree you want to give analytics versus the name Deion Sanders. I don't know how you want to value that. Yeah. But but it does bring up an interesting point. I'd love to hear your your thoughts because there is the 
the now traditional metrics versus these tracking data metrics metrics. And so Marcus, I'll come to you and then we'll go around the horn is moving to uh, an AI or, or sort of predictive analytics. How do you see that playing into the future of recruiting for a HBCU? Well, I guess the first uh, thing you have I, to have I, a coach that buys air, into Marcus? it. Did we, did we, did we, oh. Okay. You're I can all, hear you. I can hear you. Yeah, we're just running with some kind of delay, so we we'll pop. We we'll apologize for the little please? technical difficulties. Can you hear we're me? We're having um, uh, how, how? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we're not going. Well, okay. let's keep going. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Uh, did you Did you hear my long question, <laughs> Kelvin? Did let me go to Kelvin, and we'll come back to you, Marcus. Kelvin, what, what's your take on the predictive uh, analytics? I don't know. I guess it depends on coach who buys into it. Okay. Let's let's do this. So let's take a break and come back and figure out why we've got such a delay going on. Because uh, we something happened in the last minute or two, and we want to try to get this fixed. I think this is a good type of conversation that we can transition to here while we got Marcus. So let's do this. Let's take a break, come back out of the break, try to fix whatever's going on technically, and then we'll come back with uh, with with a recap uh, and, and we'll talk about predictive analytics and recruiting uh, on the other side. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back in just a moment. Spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger that's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. Really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision. An SUV built around you. All of you. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Caville of Dr. Caville's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dash as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. Supermarket Sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Never not working. 
Never not working. Never ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Standard protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. Your ad could be ran here. MyJBN.com backslash support. MyJBN.com backslash support for more information. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone, hour number two. The uh, technology snipers, uh, you know, they, we, they they went for everybody this time. You know, that that's how you know we must be talking about something that no one wants us to talk about. Just like last week, you know, every week we start getting into some good stuff. The snipers, you know, pretty much this home studio thing. We're just going to have to figure out a way to, uh, to, to fly and bust people in to do these shows live and in, in person because these uh the technology man i'm telling you they keep sniping us but uh um marcus green joining us brian fulford kelvin roser uh kofi hemingway and uh so we were we were talking about um recruiting analytics marcus and uh in short uh the, the company recruiting analytics is the company that that is uh claiming uh, to have made a impact for Jackson State in helping them get their uh, number one HBCU ranked class, FCS ranked number one. What's your thoughts on recruiting analytics? Not not the company, but just the concept as it relates for HBCU and just in general. I think it's interesting. Um because as we see things are becoming more data driven and data analytics are pretty much control, permeating everything that we do. So it was bound to trickle into recruiting. I think it depends on whether a coach believes in it and also whether, I guess from an HB, HBCU standpoint, whether we still get access to a kid who rates very highly in their analytical system. So, I mean, it's one thing, okay, if Travis Hunter is their top-rated guy, and he did go to Jackson State, but that might not always be the case where the one who's testing off the charts for recruiting analytics uh, metrics happens to be a sleeper that we have access to or a five-star, four-star player that has a Power 5 offers coming out the, out the wazoo. But I think it'll be interesting to see how which schools adopt it which schools can afford it. I don't know how much it costs and how much they invest in it going forward versus the typical scouting that they do. Yeah. Uh, what, what's your, what's your thoughts, Kofi recruiting analytics versus uh, the old fashioned uh, name of your head coach being a big ticket draw. Uh, you know, I think you need all Go of it. You there. Um, whatever technology gives you the advantage. Can you hear me? Hello? Yeah. 
Hello, hello. Yeah, yeah we got good. All right. So whatever technology gives you the advantage is the one that you want to try to go with. Um. So that's basically it from my perspective. I think that uh, what Dion has brought to the table is uh, a different perspective, a different way of doing it. Um, but Coach Simmons has shown himself to be, uh, you know, pretty solid in that area. And I want to say their their main thing is all about relationships and the relationships that they're able to build with the players that they come into contact with. And they they bought into the vision. They bought into the authenticity of who we are. And I think after at the end of the day, that's ultimately what sells your program. Are players going to be able to get what they need? Do they believe in the system and and that aspect as opposed to the technical data that helps you to round up and, you know, find people out? I mean, we are in the state of Florida. So <laughs> we're in a hotbed, you know, and we're, you know, right here in Tallahassee or right in the Big Bend area, there are a number of players that can play Division One football at Florida a University uh, within an hour's reach. So, you know, those are players that you can come into contact with uh, consistently, uh, even on a daily or weekly or however you want to contact with them and do visits without having to break the bank. Um, and so, you know, I think Coach Simmons would probably be able to speak, but I'm sure that they're looking um, – for anything that will give them and any additional advantage when it comes to locating players, identifying players, um, and and working through it, because I know I wouldn't. I, I I trust the computer, but I don't trust the computer. Let me put it like that. <laughs> What's your take, uh, Kelvin? Hello. Yeah, Kelvin, what's, so, what's your take? We got you. I'm kind of like with Kofi. I think, yeah, yeah, Kofi, I, I think Kofi kind of hit where I'm at. Uh, analytics is a tool, and it's a useful tool, but I don't want to mm -hmm. overhype it, right? I still believe in the eye test, right? I, I believe 6-1 is 6-1, 300 is 300, a 4-3 is 4-3. Uh, a kid who uh, plays against top-tier talent, uh, his film t says a lot, you know, and there are so many other factors that, that goes into this whole recruiting process. But, uh, you know, I, because I'm a believer in, in technology and science and so forth, uh, I think it's a useful tool. And um, it's just one of many that, uh, you know, that we use, that we should be using moving forward to uh, continue to be successful in um, recruiting kids. Uh, one of the things that I found interesting when I when I go through the packet of information from uh, this company is one of the first tables that in their packet that they talk about is tra traditional metrics versus the tracking data that uh, is used to measure the critical factors of athleticism and I and one I'm going to read one of them here and it's play speed so they talk about play speed what you know, the traditional metric for measuring play speed is what? The good old 40-yard dash, right? So that's usually how you you uh, would, would measure 
athleticism or speed. Well, they propose or they they talk about tracking data, uh, things such as uh, what is a max speed in terms of miles per hour? What is the max speed in the first 5, 10, and 15 yards? Uh, what is the closing speed in yards per second? Uh, what is the sack time in terms of the number of seconds? What's the speed off of the line of scrimmage? So it's like taking, you know, again, play speed. If you just measured it off of the 40-yard dash, they've broken it down saying, well, there's more than just a 40-yard dash. We've got five, four or five different metrics that we can use to sort of say that this is an athlete that, you know, he's more than just his 40-yard time. It's almost like I, I, I would equate it to we look at a, a kid who's maybe 5'7 or 5'8, and you would pigeonhole him and say, oh, he, he can't be a good receiver because he's 5'7, 5'8, when you, we, we all know that we've seen plenty of successful receivers at 5758 you know be successful because of their speed and athleticism and just their their guts so I, I i don't know that's just one metric but uh i i'll i'll forward this to you guys but i i'm just it's just an interesting uh thought my for me my final thought on this is th- it's great that such that said school had the number one great recruiting class, but in the next three years, if they don't win any SWAC titles and don't win any celebration bowls, how great was that recruiting class? And was it the recruiting class or was it the coaching and player development? And then said other school who might be number seven or some further down the road, if they turn around and win two to three SWAC titles, and go on to win a couple celebration bowls. Is it because of the coaching and the coach just found diamonds in the rough or did the scouting of the stars and all that other stuff fail and it missed guys like, uh, like an Isaiah land, for example, who I don't know, maybe had what two stars out of high school. And now look at him. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's always going to be stuff that you miss, um, and you know, rankings are just rankings. I don't, I don't really buy into it, and I've talked about it all the time. Um, Miami's class back in the '80s was never ranked in the top ten. Florida State always had the number one recruiting class, yet Miami came away winning the national title. So, you know, what you do with your recruitment class, how you develop players, how you put players in position to make plays. All of that stuff matters. And, you know, quite frankly, uh, Jackson State is going to get everybody's A game. So when it comes down to it, uh, that gauntlet of, you know, people were complaining about their schedule, but their schedule is plenty tough, largely because these players really want to get out there. They want to compete. They've heard all of this pizzazz about, uh, the Jackson State squad and Deion Sanders, and they want to go out there and they want to prove that they're better. Um, you know, Alabama A&M is going to be tough. Uh, Bama State, 
as much as we talked about the real estate dude, they gonna be they gonna have a stick because <laughs> they got that tight end from Clemson. They gonna be good. The key for them is gonna be their quarterback. Um, you know, if they can find somebody to get these people the ball. Grambling, as we know, is going to be tough. Southern is going to be Southern, and 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 you know the dark horse team, Texas Southern, is gonna be right up in there too. So. Mm. It's, it's, it's going to be get day in, day out. Who's going to be willing to make that ground? Who's going to make the sacrifices? Who's going to do what? You know, and when you do it. Um, everybody was thinking two years ago that Kansas City was going to be a dynasty. They were going to win six or seven Super Bowls. Uh, Mahomes was the next Brady. And they ain't been back to the Super Bowl. They didn't make it back to the Super Bowl this year. And they didn't win it last year. So that's how quickly these things can turn around. And last year, everybody was like, oh, Tampa Bay is going to make it back to the Super Bowl. They got everybody returning. Well, guess what? They didn't make it out of the second round, didn't make it to the NFC Finals, didn't make it to the Super Bowl, and we have a new NFC champion. So all of that stuff has to play out. And there's all kinds of things that can happen between now and Celebration Bowl time. So, you know, it is what it is. Love your computer. It ain't going to matter one bit when the ball is high. Marcus, I'll give you a chance to get in there with a final thought, uh, you know, uh, before we, we kind of transition over to some other, uh, some other topics. Uh, well, I'm just looking forward to it. Looking forward to 2023. I think last time we talked, showed a graphic on the offers for class of 2023 and how many of the top 350 kids we've offered already. I think we've added at least one more, maybe two, in that list. We offered um, Lewis Carter down at um, Tampa Catholic. He's a linebacker. He's, uh, I think, a 105th-ranked recruit. He's a four-star recruit for quarter 24-7. And he's the number seven linebacker, I think, overall, and 105th-ranked recruit for class. And actually, he has an interview on YouTube, and during the – I guess it was taped. And then in the midst of the interview before they released it to public, you know, he got his first HBCU offer because they asked, you know, if anybody had offered him and any HBCUs, because I guess someone down in the Tampa area. So that's exciting. We'll see how things play out. Coach Simmons and the staff continue to plug away and see who we can get. And hopefully we can land, you know, some four-star talent and get talent that's a good fit, not just any four-star, a good fit for FAMU football and I'm you know still keeping an eye out on the basketball and baseball too I don't have all the spreadsheets and everything but we're doing some work there too we had some couple of track guys come through last weekend and actually one from Reigns who actually committed to family track and he's a state champion all right nice 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 all right. Um, again, Marcus Green, we appreciate you uh, jumping in and coming in, uh, joining us on the show as always. Uh, Decatur underscore G is where you can find Marcus on Twitter. Make sure to hit him up, especially if you've got any uh, uh, random FAMU re- recruiting related questions. I know uh, Marcus Marcus will definitely uh, share some info with you and uh, – uh, Marcus, until we until we meet again, uh, appreciate you coming on the show, my brother. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. Thank you all. All right. Let's take a short break, come back, and jump back into some other news and, and topics 
on the other side. You're watching the OG Strike Zone. We'll be back in just a moment. It's like a loop machine. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slow Burn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website www.slowburnwaco.com That's www.slowburnwaco.com Here's a shot. shot so that wait, might be. It could, yeah. could be. Right field. Grand slam. No. What a shot. That's how you get hot, young fella. Thank you, guys, for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. And all you guys at BCSN, we really appreciate what it is that you guys, you guys do for us. You see, Head & Shoulders has scalp shield technology, protects against flakes even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. Number 15? Never not working! I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Head & Shoulders scalp shield, never not working. The top HBCU programs in the nation come to Montgomery, Alabama's Riverwalk Stadium this May 11th through 14th for the Black College World Series. The best black college baseball teams in the NCAA Division II and the NAIA will battle for black baseball's ultimate prize. Games will be streamed live at www.mybcsn.net. Tickets are available now online at www.blackcollegechampionships.com. All right, welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, Kofi here. Thank you for watching us, uh, wherever you're watching us at, on YouTube, Facebook, or on Twitter. Uh, wherever you are watching, make sure you hit that like button. Uh, help out the little algorithm guides who, who translate and say, go watch this show. And then uh, <clears throat> hopefully you've shared it with a couple of uh, a couple of folks, uh, especially you uh, rattlers out there. Make sure you sell them in. And, uh, you know, look, we, 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 we want all, so I know we got a few other posters out there. Some, some, uh, some, some folks that are supporters of other schools and, you know, they, they want to know what's going on with the, uh, with the Rattlers. They, they got to keep up. 
So come on, find out what's going on. We, we appreciate you guys watching and tuning in. Just as long as you make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, go uh, make sure to download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app on your Google or Apple Play Store. Just search my JBM, my BCSN. And, uh, our, all of our shows stream on the BCSN Pod Zone, uh, which will be up a little bit later. And you can catch up on all the shows that appear on the Black College Sports Network. Um, again, busy weekend for Rattler Nation. I know we, we're going to get into talking about the Legacy Bowl here for a moment. Got to make mention real quick, um, and, I, and we kind of briefly touched on the basketball situation and our men's basketball program. Of course, they split uh, with the Alabama schools, uh, beating Alabama State 86-83 in overtime. Losing to Alabama A&M 71-63, that's the game that I think hurt the most, uh, losing that game. Um, as I just kind of scroll through the stats on that ball game, uh, FAMU shot 31% in the second half, uh, 3 of 15 from the arc. Again, the, the three-point shooting kind of failed. You know, I don't think it's a good thing when we shoot 26 three-pointers. We were 6 of 26. That's not who we are. Alabama A&M, they were 3 of 6 in the game. Let me let me say that again. In this day and age of Division One basketball, they were 3 of 6 from the arc. We were 6 of 26. I've told you since the beginning of the year, I didn't think we were a great three-point shooting team, but – when we do it modestly and when we're hitting, we're pretty good. And, and I say that because our our best player is not a three-point shooter, to be flat out. I mean, I was looking at the stats the other day. You realize MJ Randolph is averaging nearly 20 points a game leading the conference, but practically has, I mean, I, I don't even think he's on, a, on the radar in terms of three-point attempts or three-point makes. I mean, literally, he dominates from the the two-point field goal area and at the free throw line. That's his game, you know? And so, I, you know, we, we, we've got – we're just not a three-point shooting team. And I think anytime we get away from that is where we have trouble. So when you go look at the standings now, after – well, after Saturday, you had a, a three teams in first place at 10-4. and four. We were sitting at – nine and five in that one game out along with Grambling. Uh, Then Monday, because of the loss, we now fall two games behind first place. Texas Southern got a win. Texas Southern now sits alone in first place in the SWAC. We're sitting two games behind at nine and six. And guess who's coming up? We've got the travel to, we've got the Louisiana trip against, I mean, arguably two of the best teams, I mean, if, if we're saying, you know, we're one of the top five teams, and I, I would now start to include Prairie View in the mix, but if we're one of the top five teams, we've got Grambling and Southern this weekend. Grambling on Saturday, Southern on Monday. Uh, that's a tough test. We need to get a split because we could realistically be looking at a situation where we open the door to fall out of the top five I don't think we're in danger of falling out of the top eight, but uh, let's just say 
I don't want to risk it. I don't want to be the seven or eight seed going into the tournament. Uh, Kelvin, what's your thoughts, you know, as we kind of put a bow on men's basketball from the look ahead, look ahead point of view for what's upcoming for them? So we're two and four over the last six games. So um, that's after having like a five game uh, win streak. And we lost a couple at home, which, you know, is unusual. We're usually strong at home. Um, a couple of things that stand out. You mentioned uh, three-point shooting, which has not been a strong suit. But uh, I know in the Alabama and a- A&M game, someone pointed out to me, there was a serious discrepancy in free throws. And we were the oh, only yes. team. Yes. I mean, it was ridiculous. I, I think they had like 39 free throws. And we had 12 for the whole game? They were 30 of 39. We were 7 of 12. I mean, three times as many free throw attempts as what we had. Yeah, I don't know about that one, man. You know, given that we ain't (laughs) much of a three-point shooting team, I I wasn't there, and I hadn't watched the replay of the game. But somebody made sure to to let me know who was there, let me know that, you know, that there was a serious discrepancy there. Um, the other thing I want to point out in terms of the men's team is uh, I, I still don't know if we've got our rotation the way it should be, right? I thought uh, Stevens would get more playing time after he came up big with his three-point shooting um, about, what was that, four games ago now, three games ago. But he hasn't right. had, he's barely touched the floor since then, right? So he's one of the few pure three-point shooters we have. And so, therefore, he has to see more playing time and get us some shots. We have to have set up uh, more plays for him. And then we something else, we were, when we were doing a winning streak that seemed to work, Bryce Moran. We ran a lot of plays from him for him, and his scoring is inside the paint, 15 feet or so from the elbow. And um, he has a nice shot. And I, we just haven't featured him. So, uh, hopefully we'll get back to a little more controlled basketball. And these, like, as you say, these are our last three games are going to be tough. There, there, there are no give me. So we're going to have to bring our A game. This is a senior-laden team with a bunch of graduate students or seniors on it. So you know they've they've been through the grind before. So I expect them to rise to the occasion. They can handle the moment. And that's what we need to see. Yeah, you you called it. Uh, Stevens did not. Dominguez Stevens, uh, who had the big. Uh, that was the which game was that? That was the. Um. Al, what was it? That, that Prairie, was Prairie, View, Prairie View. Yeah. Uh, I think it, it was at home, so it was a It was the win against Prairie View, I believe. <clears throat> He, he basically, in short, he didn't play at all against Alabama State for, for uh, you know, I, we don't know the reasons why. And he had just seven minutes of playing time against Alabama A&M. So, you know, seven minutes in two games, as you said. Um, disappointing. Not not sure why, but uh, didn't see much, much playing time. And I, I don't know, um, you know, if I go back even one, one more game, you know, he played 20 minutes against Alcorn on the road. So his minutes definitely have shrunk over the last couple of games. Uh, Kofi, your thought on the Rattlers, the last road trip, 
of the SWAC regular season going out to, you know, Grambling and Southern, two tough places to play based on those teams' performance this year. Yeah, it's it's going to be a grind. It's going to be, it's, you know, we're going to see what our team is made of and just got to play well. There's no way around, uh, you know, playing well. They got to play well and they got to find a way to win. And uh, it's crunch time now, so let's get it done. Yeah. All right. Um, moving over to, you know, we, we talked about one of the big three feature events and uh, we, we talked about this with Dr. Kenyatta Caville over the weekend. The fact that at one point Saturday afternoon, you had a, um, a, a, a great day of HBCU athletics, not only on the NFL network, on the NBA TV, the MLB network, uh, of course, you know, FAMU, we were featured on the MLB night broadcast that Saturday night against Alabama State. Obviously, our coaching staff and several players were part of the Legacy Bowl on the NFL Network. Um, and then, of course, they had that uh, the, the game at the All-Star game between Howard and Morgan uh, on NBA TV. But as we talk about the Legacy Bowl, uh, Coach, Course, Coach, uh, Coach Simmons and Team Robinson – um, along with Gabe Giardina of Albany State, coaching that side. Uh, Antoine Collier had the big day, and he's the one that's sort of been getting a lot of the a lot of the love as he was the inaugural defensive player of the year. Um, you know, Collier, uh, when you we all knew with his size, uh, we saw during the season the kind of impact he made, but I don't think a lot of people were talking about him in the same breath as Marquise in terms of guys that were draftable. But after this weekend, I think it's a possibility we can legitimately have a second player drafted uh, in Antoine Collier. How would you evaluate Antoine's performance and uh, any other Rattlers that you might have saw at the Legacy Bowl, uh, Kofi? Well, I mean, Antoine's a baller, man. He's <laughs> He was balling at UCF before he got to FAMU. Um, he's True. from Miami, which is, as we well know, is a football hotbed. He's one of Billy Rose boys. Yeah. So they can play. He can play. Uh, he showed that. Um, and the USFL is going to give not just FAMU athletes, but a ton of HBCU athletes additional opportunities to showcase their game at a higher level. So we're going to see a number of HBCU athletes, I want to say, get that opportunity. Um, you know, uh, Savion is going to play somewhere. Um, you know, uh, our linemen, they're going to play somewhere. And uh, they're going to have the opportunity to at least showcase their ability. Kelvin actually got drafted by the, uh, the New Jersey Generals. So all of that, of course, is going to be uh, opportunities for our players to showcase their talent at a, at a higher level. And they're just going to have to prove themselves. But, hey, uh, Collier is a baller. Uh, we all know that Marquise is a baller. And uh, we're going to see them play on Sundays. I'm going to read the review from Charles Davis, who uh, those of you who are familiar in 
Uh, I, I I love Charles. I've known of Charles Davis ever since he was uh, was doing some local radio in the Orlando market. But uh, he does a great job, I, I think, as a color commentator uh, in pro and even college games that I've heard. And he was doing the color for this game. He pointed out six players that he thought really stood out, Antoine, of course, being one of those. And his review, of course, of Collier, which he does know, Collier is a UCF transfer who played a key role in the Knights' undefeated season back in 2017. He made a game-clinching interception against Auburn in the Peach Bowl. Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll loves long, rangy college safeties that he can turn into cover three corners. Could Collier be one of those guys? I'll go sidebar. Could Marquise Bell be one of those guys? We shall see. His coaches will tell you he's a natural leader, and his body type reminds me of Brown safety John Johnson. Uh, So that's just uh, one of the reviews by uh, someone that I I really respect, Charles Davis. Uh, Kelvin, your, your thoughts on the Legacy Bowl and Antoine Collier and others? First of all, it was a very well-ran event from everything that I've heard from the people who covered it, the players who participated in it. You look at the sponsorships, the facilities. Um, you know, I know they practiced in the Saints facility when the weather wasn't great. And, um, and you know, you saw pictures and events you had. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, who was there at the game on game day. Uh, it was just really well for an inaugural first event. Uh, you saw the scouts out there all week. I was really impressed with the, 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 the whole uh, operation side of it. Now, in terms of the Antoine, um, he has the measurables and he has the film. You know, he's legitimate, you know, since two, around 200. He's been productive at the FCS level and the FBS level. And um, he, he showed that, he, you know, what you see on film and what you see in person, he, he showed on game day. He shows up on game day. If, if you remember the last game, college game he played, Marquise had a, a crazy amount, what, about 16 tackles against Southeast? Louisiana, which had Cole Kelly, who's an NFL uh, draft prospect too, and um, Antoine had about eleven. If you remember, he he uh, hit Kelly uh, so hard one time on a play, he almost knocked himself out. <laughs> Along with Kelly, they both were slow to get up, and he did that a couple of times. So, not surprised, and I agree with you. He's in the conversation potentially now of a late round draft pick. So so kudos to him. Now in terms of our coaching staff and the game itself, the game was not a thing of beauty on, on either no. side. It was a slug fest, uh, you know, tons of drop passes and um, you know, just not a great execution. The offensive lines were the weakness. <laughs> if you watch the game, I, w- I was able to watch the replays. Uh, I don't think the offensive line had a very good, on either side, had a very good uh, showing. Um, I thought that, uh, surprisingly, uh, uh, the Tennessee State quarterback, 
he surprised me and he started off really slow. You know, his first series or two, he was off. He missed some throws. But outside mm-hmm. of that, you know, he really looked the part. You know, he's got the size, the statue, and um and he showed some accuracy accuracy. Uh I thought that to kill glass, even though it wasn't all his fault. Um I, 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 he's shown inconsistency with pressure. If you, if you know, if you don't have great blocking, so uh, I think that kind of showed. Um, and then um, McLean, the, the the receiver McLean, I thought you know, big body, big body type. He had some pretty impressive uh, catches, so I thought he did well and put himself in the position to maybe be a late round draft pick too. So overall, I, I thought it was great. It's, you know, we had a national platform um, supported by the NFL and and others, and um, and and hey, it, it gave kids exposure and opportunity, and that's all you can ask for. So it was it was a win. I heard um, Merriweather, uh, his name got called a few times. I was I'm looking for somebody outside of Collier and maybe Williams because we had what how many we had six or seven guys there. Yeah, um, I know uh, Bishop was there, but I don't think he did. He did he play or maybe he got? I didn't see him in the game. I didn't watch the entire game, so I, I can't say for sure. But I don't recall. Yeah, I watch I watch most of it, and and don't recall Bishop uh, getting very much uh, time, if at all. And um, I, I do recall uh, Derek uh, Derek getting some mention. Um, uh, Mayweather. I'm sorry, I don't know why I said Mayweather. I was thinking of somebody else. Derek Mayweather. Got some, got some good run there as well. But I was just—I don't think uh, anyone else um, really got uh, much play. And, and you know, I, I kind of wonder these All-Star games are so hard because, like you said, they're they're very limited. They're very vanilla. Uh, a lot of the scouts are watching what these guys do in practice. So, you know, but I almost hated to see a couple of guys who did get hurt. I hated to see them get hurt because. Because there's no telling what'll happen after, you know, what type of injury that is, and 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 those guys weren't playing two hand tag like they do at the uh, at the All Star game at the Pro Bowl. I mean, those guys were actually tackling and hitting. So uh, there were a few bumps and bruises that you saw from a few people. So I, I'm not going to hold it against the coaching staffs <laughs> for what they saw. And I, I, I kind of wish they would allow a little more creativity uh, in those all-star games. Let, let's kind of talk a little bit about, you mentioned Kofi, you mentioned the USFL draft, which just occurred over the last couple days. Uh, we did see that Calvin Ashley, uh, former offensive tackle did get drafted uh, by the, uh, generals, the, the old New Jersey in the sixth round. 
uh, pick number three in the sixth round. Um, <clears throat> but I don't think I've seen any other uh, rattlers, and I and I would I, I would say the number of HBCU guys is uh, very very few as well. Um, now I want to say I don't know what that whole process is because I think when you have drafts, do you have to register for the draft? Usually, from what I I recall in speaking with an agent last year or the year before, even for the CFL, you do have to kind of put your name. You have to make yourself eligible. Uh, Now, sure, they could just randomly choose to draft you. uh, But most of the time, you have to usually submit some sort of application to make yourself part of the draft pool. So, you know, you know, I really didn't hear a whole lot about our guys declaring like you, you hear a lot of our guys declaring for the NFL draft. um, But I didn't hear a whole lot of, I want to say, news about our guys applying for the USFL. In fact, really anybody, to be honest. Um, So I'm just curious about that process that has something to do with it. Uh, Calvin Ashley had an opportunity with the Buccaneers and um, that didn't necessarily pan out, but I think that he'll definitely have a a solid opportunity to make it um, with the New Jersey Generals. And I think that's going to be a good deal. And as we've seen, just really, as we've seen in times past, a lot of those USFL players um, went on to transition to have solid NFL careers. Um, Jim Kelly played in the USFL, um, went on to play for the Buffalo Bills. Doug Williams started NFL, went to USFL, came back, won a Super Bowl. Um, who else? Bobby Bear turned out to be, he won that first championship with the Michigan Panthers and went on and was an effective quarterback for the uh, New Orleans Saints. So, you know, um, you know, even if you look at the banded ball that was established by Steve Spurrier back in the day, um, they had a number of uh, Florida players that were on that squad. Um, even Eric Trevilian, who was, you know, the hero in the University of Miami gang, he played uh, wide receiver for the Tampa Bay Bandits. So all of this, I've said all of that to say, these players are going to have a tremendous opportunity Um you know, to get out there and showcase their skills. It's going to be good. So I, I was looking up a little bit on the, <clears throat> excuse me, on the uh, USFL pool. The, the, the number of players that were eligible, it, there were 500 players to choose from. And, you know, to my, there are only uh, eight teams right now in the USFL. So you had 500 players that were eligible to be selected. Uh, The league did not release the full player pool ahead of the draft. So I don't think we'll know until probably here in the next day or two who all was in that pool or who is a quote-unquote free agent. Uh, But uh, each roster is scheduled to be made up of uh, 45 players, uh, 38 will be on the active roster, seven 
will remain on the practice squad. Uh, A couple other interesting notes about the uh, USFL. Uh, So they had a 35-round draft is basically what they did. (laughs) And so, yeah, they they basically, you know, they went through positions where, you know, they had quarterbacks, edge rushers, tackles, cornerbacks, uh, wide receivers. So they, they tried to basically give everybody an opportunity to select a couple of guys, or I would say, you know, maybe however many guys you need per those rounds to establish your core group. And then I, and then I'm assuming it'll go into free agency after Uh, one other bit of news about the USFL, according to USFL news on Twitter, uh, it is a 10 week season and the active uh, guys on the active roster will make $45,000 while a full season practice squad player will make 15,000. Uh, each player is given a victory bonus reportedly worth $850 as part of their contract. Uh, training camp is $600 per week. And uh, that's just how, you know, that's how it goes for a two, three month season. And and I, I think, Hey, it gives you an opportunity to get some film on, you know, and, and, that, and that's going to be the big thing. And, what what's even more interesting is with the XFL, they recently signed a, or I guess they're supposed to be a partnership upcoming with the NFL. So that will be very intriguing because that, I, you know, I'm people instantly will use the word minor league. I'm not going to jump out there, but that's the natural thought, right? Is that, okay. The I mean, XFL it is, is what it is. Be- I mean, you, you know, NFL is definitely top tier. Everybody recognizes it's a huge brand. But, you know, you got so many people that want to get out there and they want to play. And America, America's game, people talking about America's pastime is baseball, but America's game is freaking football, hands down. Like, people do not – I cannot sit through nine innings of people throwing the ball and and pitching and all that. (laughs) I just don't do it. I, I can't do it. I like, you know, the Braves are playing. I love the Braves, but don't call me till around about September, October. I'm like, did they make the postseason? If they made it, I'm watching. If not, I don't care. So that's the way I feel. But football, that's a whole different deal. Like you saw the last spring when we had the SWAC playing in the spring. Everybody sat right there. We watched the games. We watched uh we watched all the stuff that went down. Crowd wasn't there. We were still watching. NFL went out there, crowd wasn't there, we were still watching. America loves football. And if it's in the spring and we see an opportunity for our players to make it and and do uh play at a higher level, we're gonna be tuned in. We're gonna be watching and be like X, Y, and Z. Even if as long as they don't compete with the NFL, they'll be fine. Yeah, and, and you know, even with the NFL, the NFL is like a year-round story. I mean, they even though now that the NFL has shifted into all the way into the middle of February, I mean, it's you imagine the NFL season is going to run from essentially the beginning, or it's going to essentially run from Labor Day it's set up year-round. It's, it's year-round. 
it's year yeah. round, bro. Because yeah. even if you just look at it without the games, everybody's talking about you got floor. Floors is a whole part of the whole scenario with the NFL. Because now we're talking about why they don't have no black coaches and X, Y, Z. This thing is going to play out. Then before you know it, here comes the draft. Well, basically the Steelers hired Flores, so everybody's talking about that. He did a he did an interview with Omar Kelly and the Sun Sentinel. Everybody's talking about that. So you got that. And then the Dolphins fired back and say, well, we didn't do nothing with the contract. And then Flores' lawyers are sitting up there talking about, no, we got the screenshot about this contract now. So <laughs> y'all run, tell that, and see what y'all got. So it's a big so far. Then you got the whole draft. Yeah, I'm just saying that's what it is. You got the draft combine, you know, that's coming up. That's before the draft, you know. Then yeah. you have the actual draft. Then you have the mini camps. Then you have the actual camps. Then, you know, this whole schedule release, all of that stuff is well orchestrated. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers is even in the news talking about, you know, sending these cryptic messages. So now the Packers fans are sitting up there talking about, Lord, is is Aaron going to be with us? Is he going to play? It's news year round. Somebody else going to fire off something. You know, Tom Brady may come back. You know, X, Y, Z, we don't know. You know, Kofi, that, I mean, uh, Kel Kelvin, that brings up an interesting point. From an athletic administrative level, how can schools, how can FAMU stay uh, relevant? How can we stay um, on people's minds? Because, you know, I, I'm going to be – all that stuff that's going on. I can on, answer that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I, I I know you can, but I I was just going. I, you can come back and answer it after after uh, after Kelvin. I I was just wondering how did how did, how can how can our program stay relevant when that other program is on GMA every five every five minutes? Uh, I'm just saying. But what you know? I'm just saying. What what do what does FAMU and FAMU athletics need to continue to do? to stay out in front? Is this an arms race? Do we have to stay out in front or can we just be who we are? I think it's a little, little of all the above. You got to do it all. Um, the reality is having winning programs is number one. People like to be associated with winners. We like, we like to say number one. You don't hear nobody say we number two. So having winning programs is, is, is the first part of it. Then people like storylines. They like personality. They like personalities. They like people who they like. And, they, and then sometimes they like villains also, right? You know, that, that, that keep a little controversy sometimes keep things moving. So um, just just having good storylines and promoting your, uh, in, in FAMU case, we have great history, right? So I watch personally replays of our run in the um championship uh, uh fcs championship in 99 i watched the 2000s football season uh i watch uh some stuff on where are you uh, watching Woody these Gallimore. at where are you watching these at so so a while ago on 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 a, on a message board a lot of us have this kind of video and we had we know a guy who know how to put all this stuff together and I guess I go okay. and get a plug, but his name is Alex Hines. So uh, ah, I, I think yes. he's like a gremlin guy at that. But anyway, 
um, on his YouTube channel, he we, we sent a, a lot of us sent a, from different schools sent him all these old videos that we had and stuff. And so, so, so I'm, I'm guessing what he's going to say is he created a playlist of that season. And uh, anyone, if you, if you don't know who Willie Alex Hines is, you need to go make sure you're following Willie Alex Hines on uh, YouTube because that's where uh, he ha- he has a treasure trove of classic HBCU football games. So I'm assuming uh, that that's what Kelvin was going to uh, share with us. And you know, anytime you get ready to get some good info, you gotta you gotta duck and duck and hide. So you don't get sniped. Uh, what were you going to say, Kofi, uh, in regards to my question that I just threw out there? Put that question out there again so I can hear it in clarity so I can answer professionally. Try it again. <laughs> well, my, my I guess my question was, what do we need to do, fam you, to stay out in front, given all the things that you talked about going on this time of year, what do we need to do to kind of stay out in front? We need to communicate, okay, um, with what's going on, the inner workings of family athletics. I think it would be a good idea for Courtney periodically to do a state of the fam you address, or here's what's Anybody happening now. They did... What? I'm sorry. Go ahead. What? Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. A state of the Rattlers address, you know, stating vision, where we are now, where we're going, how we're going to get there. Um, there's all kinds of avenues. You have the Good Morning Show that is free advertising. Get on there from time to time. Talk about it. Um, and there's always something to turn. Like the next big, we've got two major events that are coming up. Three, actually, you know, and the longer you think about it, you know, the more you have an opportunity to promote it, right? So we've got really basketball homecoming coming up with Bethune Cookman, which should be a whole major event with major sponsorship, et cetera, et cetera. That's one. Then you've has got anybody the been on, Has anybody been on this TV show? You keep talking about this TV show in the morning. Has anybody from FAMU been on this show lately? No. Okay, I'm just no. curious the because you keep offering it up, really like, and I'm like, why isn't anybody listening? I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm just wondering. They should, you know, it's free. It's like get on there. Yeah. We've got a ton of graduates that work for all networks: the NBC network, the ABC network, and uh, WCTV. We've got, we've got J school students that work for all three we should be able to corner that and at least be able to get out there, okay? So that's one. Two, you know, it's Mardi Gras season, right? So they should have just, even with, with all, you know, just really with Cookman coming to town, you can have a whole Mardi Gras thing going on in Tallahassee, invite Florida State's band, do a Mardi Gras parade, come through the campus, have a Mardi Gras game, create events, okay? So you have that. Then you have the Spring Sports Carnival, right? That should be being promote it like right about now so that people can set their calendars and make arrangements to attend the spring sports carnival. Then after,
after that, you got spring football that's here. You got whole B out there. You got practices. You got the spring, the orange and green game, which is which really, really, really could be a major, major, major event. So that's three events within three months' time that give people an opportunity to look for and plan to do stuff. You know, you got the whole season ticket thing. You got tons of baseball games coming up in the swag which by the way are $5 to attend now, which that's a good deal. But all of these things need to be put out there so that uh, you can communicate with Rattler Nation, you need to collaborate with the community, and you need to creatively expand the base. As I stated before, um, FAMU's fan base goes far beyond Tallahassee, right? But in order to cultivate the ground that we're in, you have to work and till the ground. There's Tallahassee. There's Monticello. There's Havana. There's Quincy. There's Mariana. There's uh, Monticello. There's Madison County. There's, um, I said Jefferson, right? You got Valdosta. You got Bainbridge. You got Thomasville. You got Cairo. You got Tifton. You got Albany, even. You got Dothan, Alabama. You got Panama City, Pensacola, Jacksonville. All of these places need to be buzzing about it. But if you don't communicate and start the buzz, there's not going to be a buzz. But if you take the time to collaborate and have town hall meetings, we can get this stuff out there so we can make things happen and remain relevant year round. But we've got dope social media posts. Anyway, Kelvin, uh, what were you saying about um, you, before you got sniped? Uh, what were you What were you adding? No, I was just gonna. I was just making a point that um, winning programs, uh, talking about your tradition and history, uh, things that make people feel good. You know, things your successes, your wins, uh, good storylines. You know. You got good character kids, um, kids who came adverse situations, uh, maybe one or two teams that people didn't like, but they were good at what they did. And um, then COVID hit hit on the whole uh, media, mass media marketing side of it, right? Where you are getting these stories out in many platforms, not just your own Facebook uh, or Twitter, social media platforms. But, you know, uh, you know, there are people who still have non uh, have traditional uh, ways of getting their information um, through TV, through radio, through word right. of mouth, etc. And we, so, you know, it's all the above. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I feel like we have, we 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 we've covered the market on social media, but we've we've lost sight of traditional media. Let we, me. We've forgotten about right. traditional media, and I think what you're all talking about. And I don't know if I don't know you guys out there watching Rattler Nation. You are, are we be are we being old? Are we so old that we are stuck on traditional media? And social media is where it's at. I, I, listen, I'm just, I'm just posting it because, again, I'm just looking at what I see, and what I see is what we're talking about. All that stuff we see a lot of social media, but a lot of things are being left untapped 
in traditional media outlets. You that you cannot be grassroots marketing. Let's take freaking the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Seen it, by the way? The Bel-Air show? I have not yet. No, not no. yet. Man, it's it off the chain. It's a really good show. You know, it's a really, really, really good show. It's like, it, it just blows the old Fresh Prince out of water. But I said all that to say, what I just did was market Bel-Air. I just marketed that show. It's free advertising. Anytime you go someplace to eat, Say, for instance, I went to Gillum Sisters a few weeks ago, and they take forever to fix your food. But by the way, when I sat there and I ate it, I was like, man, this is some good food. Like, wow. I told about four or five people that the food was amazing there. They was like, well, you know, they take forever. But I was like, boy, that food was good. At any rate, you cannot be good grassroots marketing. Okay, and connectivity. That's how movies get sold. That's how TVs get sold. People talk about the Super Bowl all the time, even beyond, you know, what you see on TV with all the advertising and all the other stuff. Grassroots marketing takes work. Okay, so in order for us to get to that spot, you've got to collaborate with the people that are willing to do the work to ensure the success of the, the overall success of the program. Okay, and if you're not willing to communicate, if you're looking over your shoulder and, you know, wondering, you know, X, Y, and Z and wallowing in fear, you'll never get anything done. You know, you have to be able to get out there and creatively utilize the resources that are readily available to you right now. I teach tennis out there at Child's High School, right? I'm sitting up there and the baseball field is right behind me. I watch these people come out there to the baseball field. They transform that baseball field within a matter of like one week, okay? <laughs> then with the baseball game, I went out there, I'm looking at the, the little fence right there. They had about 30 sponsors on the baseball field with, <laughs> with just baseball. You know, I'm like, wow, like this is Child's High School. Football field had sponsorships. I'm just like, these are businesses that are in this community that I'm I'm curious as to whether or not we've even reached out to these people to see how we can partner with them to make, you know, to put them on a little wall at the, you know, yeah, we're, we're HBCU, but guess what? You still need our money. You still need our business and we're willing to partner with you. But putting that out there, uh, it's a big deal. Even when I was the announcer at Lincoln High School, um, Buffalo Wild Wings had a promotion where if you went in after the game and just simply said, Lincoln High School football boosters, and you bought some wings, a percentage of that went to the Lincoln High School football program. I'm like, how simple is that? But guess what? If you don't collaborate and you talk with people that know how to get stuff done, you remain in the same spot. And insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. And if we're going to take it to the next level and be year-round relevant, we've got to take the next step. Well said. Uh, I'm going to read a couple of different stories here. Kelvin, I want you to quickly be ready to let us know about this upcoming weekend's baseball event in Georgia after I give these uh, two quick shout-outs. I want to give a shout-out to uh, – uh, uh, our uh, men and women's our track and field uh, teams who competed 
in the indoor SWAC championships. The women placed fourth, men eighth. We did have some individual first place winners as well as some top threes. Uh, Rachel Robertson, first place in the high jump. Kiara Ivey, first place in pole vault. Um, Robertson also finished faces be whopped. What'd you say? Look, their faces is drooping uh, and everything in the picture. Oh, <laughs> um, in in second, they look flicked, man. Like, <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? Um, I'm sitting here trying to read the press release, and I'm like, what is Kofi talking about here? Um, Robertson also finished second in the triple jump. Uh, third place, uh, Skyla Rogers. The pentathlon shot put finished third. Michelle De La Cruz, pentathlon high jump third. Ajani Williams finished third in the 400-meter dash. For the men, the men had seven top three finishes. Jaden Sanford had the highest placing for FAMU. He placed second in the heptathlon 60-meter hurdles. And on that photo that you saw there, a lot of – so those were our medal winners. Congratulations to all of them. Also, one last note, and we were talking about media rights and we were talking about the future. And hopefully this is a big thing for FAMU. We, we hope and pray. Uh, FAMU uh, just last week signed a multi-year partnership with Urban Edge Networks to broadcast its sports and other content on HBCU League Pass Plus. I'm reading from FAMUathletics.com release, so don't shoot the messenger. In conjunction with Rattler Sports Properties, uh, Ford A&M Athletics have signed a multi-year agreement with Urban League, Urban Edge Networks, new HBCU League Pass, the first and only HBCU Sports 24-7 live streaming platform. Uh, from Courtney Gaucher, we are thrilled to partner with Urban Edge Network to provide additional brand exposure and access to content to our alumni and fans. We are in a digital world and have a significant impact and have seen, excuse me, a significant impact on our program through our digital footprint. So essentially the network will broadcast available sports, the marching 100 and other university related content with a dedicated channel to FAMU athletics on HBCU League Pass Plus. Uh, HBCU League Pass Plus is an ad-supported black college sports network delivering 24-7 access to live and on-demand historically black colleges and universities. As a Microsoft startup partner, HBCU League Pass Plus is a must-have free streaming service for all HBCU college fans. So, yeah, urbanedgenetwork.net is where you can get more information. And I'm I'm sure pretty soon you will start to see some content, some baseball, softball, other uh, spring sports content on HBCU League Pass Plus. Looking forward to it. Kelvin, baseball. Baseball this weekend, uh, big series up in uh, Georgia against Grambling. Yeah, we, we play Friday uh, at 7 p.m., uh, Saturday at 3, and 
Sunday at one. And I know the uh, marching one hundred would be a part of uh, the festivities. At least one. Uh, I, believe, I believe it's Saturday, uh, but one of those nights, the hundred will be in the building too. And um, of course, we played the series last year, um, and we swept the Grambling. Preseason predictions: uh, We were third on us uh, in the East, and I think Grambling's predicted to finish second in the West uh, for baseball. So, um, you know, we're looking forward to it. Uh, I know, uh, I believe at least one of those games are going to be televised. And it's at Cool Ray Field in on Lawrenceville, uh, which is one of the uh, minor league pro stadiums up there. So uh, everybody in the area who can make it, man, go out there, go go see the hundred and go see the baseball team. Let's let's uh, root them on the victory. Hopefully, we'll get a sweep. Yeah do do we have that do we have that graphic um, queued up uh, just so people can see that again? <clears throat> that is the. Um, uh, that is the uh, Ralph Gar Bill Lucas HBCU Classic. Uh, the Atlanta Braves are a major part of making that happen. Uh, Grambling State and Florida A and M. There you go again with the uh, those uh, those start times and days. Um, uh, Braves.com slash HBCU Classic is where you can go to buy tickets, and you can also. Get your Braves World Championship gear, and I guess they even have a trophy tour at Truist. I guess so. Is uh, Saturday is Saturday when they're playing at Truist Field, or is all the games are at Cool Ray Field? I thought all the games were at Cool Ray Field. Yeah, looking at looking at the athletic site, everything says Cool Ray Cool Ray Field. Okay. So again, that's in uh, that's Douglasville, Georgia. Lawrenceville. Lawrenceville. I'm sorry, Lawrenceville, Georgia. I Do no not go to Douglasville. <laughs> you say I, I? I'm sorry. I don't want to send anybody to the wrong neck of the woods there in Georgia. Uh, so again, that's Lawrenceville, uh, Georgia. All right. So, uh, appreciate that, uh, Drew. Um, all right, so uh, fellas, we got to get out of here. Uh, a lot to go on. So there you got baseball this weekend. Uh, softball is up in Alabama at the uh, an HBCU Classic Tournament. Um, basketball is on the Louisiana two-step. That's men and women. So another busy weekend. Uh, I don't believe we have any track. Uh, shout out to uh, tennis. Tennis program went two and one. Over the weekend, um, you know, uh, on their schedule, I'm going to quickly see where they are at this they weekend. Play Alabama State. Are, okay, that is at home. So that is yes. a, uh, a home match, Alabama State, uh, Saturday morning here in Tallahassee. Golf had a tournament over the weekend. I don't just offhand quickly. I mean, I can do a quick search. Do you know how those results went for golf? Anybody? I did. I, I did look for it. I, I I didn't find them, so I'm not sure. Okay. Um. They are. Yeah, that was the Savannah Intercollegiate Crossroads. Uh, so it looks like they're off until March when they travel to San Diego. 
So we'll try to we'll try to have some results a little bit. Uh, we'll see if we can get in touch with uh, Coach Rice and get some results and uh, drop those out on the website. So uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the ONG Strike Zone. A lot of information that we dropped on you, a lot going on. Again, uh, make sure you're following us, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, follow us on uh, social media. Uh, send us your thoughts. Any comments that you may have, you can send them to ongstrikezone at gmail.com. Make sure to find the BCSN Pod Zone wherever you listen and download to podcasts. And please go download and subscribe to that Jericho Broadcast Network's app on your Google or Apple Play Store. Just search My JBN or My BCSN. So, uh, again, want to thank everybody for all their thoughts and prayers. I'm on the road traveling back again, uh, back home for uh, the weekend. So I'll be in Indianapolis. It's cold up there, but uh, uh, so we're gonna go. We're gonna go celebrate my mom, and uh, we're gonna do it uh, a lot of family and friends. And so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but again, I'm, I'm very appreciative for everyone's thoughts and prayers uh, over the past week. Um, uh, it means a lot means a lot. Very thankful, very appreciative. And so uh, with that said, for my guys, I appreciate you guys. Uh, Drew, who's producing, uh, Kelvin, Kofi, thank you guys. And uh, that's going to do it for this show. Rattler Nation, be safe out there. Watch out for each other. And, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's keep striking, Rattlers. We got a lot of work to do. Let's not let the dark side of the, uh, the SWAT get a hold of us. And we're just going to keep striking doing what we do. So Rattler Nation, make sure you go out there and that you strike, strike, and strike again. You guys be safe. God bless.